Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to Trust and Believe. I'm your host, Sean T. And today I have an in-house guest. I am so excited. I spend a lot of time with this beautiful human right here. (laughs) I'm going to introduce you to Cece. Now, I have to give my own little intro about you before you go into your incredible story. But I just remember... I go to a salon called Jazzy Braids. It's an incredible salon here. It's so authentic and fun. And I was gone for a while, and I have an incredible hairstylist named Day. And Day was like, yes. you know, one day we're gonna get a we're gonna get a barber in here. And I may be a little closed minded that I am. I just mm-hmm. automatically was like, oh, they're gonna get a male barber, you know, just yeah. kind of whatever. So when I walked in the first day and I saw Cece, I said, come <laughs> all the way through. And then I was able to book with her and we just were able to connect. And so Cece has an incredible story where I can tell you two years ago, she was not in the place that she is now. It's an incredible coming of age story. So sit back and get ready to trust and believe. This is Sean T, and it's time to trust and believe. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, Cece, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me today. Thank you so much. So I remember you actually came to work on New Year's Day for me. And we were the only ones in the shop. And Mm -hmm. prior to that, you know, we cut up and all that stuff. Oh, yeah. Everyone's always... (laughs) Talking, listen to music. <laughs> exactly. On. But we had a chance to connect and I started to be able to ask you about your story. And yeah. it's incredible. So I just want you to tell me where were you two years ago? And yeah. let's talk about that. Toward the end of like 2018, early 2019, I was transitioning through like this. I was back in Chicago, first of all. Like that's where I'm from. But I live in Scottsdale, Arizona now. But I was living in Chicago, Illinois. Um, dealing with some housing instability. I was homeless, was in a shelter. And it was a few months after I had finished barbering school, getting my barbering license, becoming a hairdresser and realizing that I didn't really understand that much of the business side of stuff. Um, But before we go on the business side of stuff, let's talk about your experience, like going from where you were to how you became homeless to have a living in a shelter like, yeah. how did that, like, where were you in your life? And tell us about how like, you found yourself there. It was really just, like, coming straight out of school and then doing the chair rent thing, but not having that many clients. So, like, ending up paying 
more in chair rent than I was in my real rent and having to just like be like, okay, I have to admit myself to a homeless shelter. I had my best, best friend. His name's David. He does hair in Pilsen. He's a barber too. We went to barber school together and we would take the same train home. So that's how we became best friends. Okay. That was the one and only friend I told anything to. I was like, so don't be scared. But I was like, I'm at a homeless shelter. Like, Right now, like, I think I went to a police station, and then, like, if you tell them, like, you want to um, call a homeless shelter, they give you this number to call on the specific phone that they have. And then, like, you just sit there and wait. It may take, like, an hour. It may take a little more. But then, like, this van pulls up, and these people, they have paperwork, and they're, like, taking your information down. And then, like, they take you in this van, and they take you to the shelter. And the shelter I was staying at, the floor I was on because I was, like, single and childless and a woman the single homeless women were on the same floor as like the drug recovery women Mm. and so like I was around a lot of people from all these different backgrounds who have all these different stories like a lot of people assume that because you're homeless you're not working that's not true um there's definitely a lot of homeless people who are like in school (laughs) homeless students there's homeless people who have jobs there's homeless people trying to make things happen they just can't afford a home I was trying to get some sense of purpose Mm. they thank goodness in chicago had all of these wonderful programs when you're in a shelter like um there's free therapy services you can get and things like that and so i had this therapist but i would have to take this like hour-long bus ride to get to her i had this really wonderful therapist and i think one of our sessions i was telling her i was just like i just feel like i failed i Mm. feel like you know i did everything right and i still ended up not doing well I was like how you know I feel really really beat down I don't know what to do I was like it would be really cool if there was a way where I could like use my skills to give back somehow and so she was like look into that a little more she was like she's like I bet that there's um you know people who would love free haircuts you know I was like because I don't want to I don't want to hate what I do. I don't want to resent having chosen the path of hairdressing just because it didn't go the way I planned it to go. And so I did some research. Um, I think I started my research with, okay, like famous people who have been homeless. <laughs> That's a good way to start. You know, people you look up to. Because <laughs> I, was, I was trying to like, I was trying to convince myself mentally that like it was a starting point and not like a permanent thing. I was Mm. like, I have to like get myself into a frame of mind and a frame of thought where I'm like, this isn't my forever thing. This is like my right now thing. And then it's going to only go up from here. So I think the list of celebrities included people like J-Lo. Like, people don't know when J-Lo was starting out with dancing in New York and stuff. Mm. She would have to sleep at, like, her dance studio. I was like, okay, now I need to figure out how I want to go about giving free haircuts. Who's the highest risk of homelessness? Like, deal with homelessness or become homeless more commonly. And you were doing this while you were still in shelter as well. Yes. Because, like I said, I was working. So when you're in a shelter and you're working and you don't really have utilities to cover, my only bill was my phone bill. And at the time, my phone was like a prepaid phone. You get really resourceful like when you don't have a lot. What was your reason for wanting to get free haircuts when you at the time were struggling yourself? Yeah, no, like like I said, I needed a sense of purpose. I needed to do something for people 
like myself. If you're in a shop and you're behind a chair, you're not necessarily guaranteed people booking with you. Mm. You're not necessarily guaranteed appointments. You could, if you're especially new to hairdressing, new to any sort of beauty service, you're right out of school. Your early days consist of mainly sitting in that shop and you might be taking a lot of walk-ins mm. and those aren't guaranteed. You know, so I was like, you know, I could be at work right now getting like one client and feeling like, oh, I only got one client today. Or I could go someplace where there's people who definitely could use this service to feel good about themselves who would probably line up in droves because they have a hard time finding mm-hmm. haircuts. Well, anyway, when I got my research together about like the demographics that face the highest rates of homelessness across the board, regardless of like race, age, religion, gender, it was like LGBT youth. Wow. Highest rate of homelessness. And it's often because once they come out, their parents kick them out or whatever. And so Chicago, too, is a really awesome city that has um, a lot of safe spaces and programs for LGBT people, but LGBT youth as well. And everyone pretty much knows about this place that's in Boys Town called Center on Halstead. They have a volunteer sign-up thing on their website, but I don't think at the time anyone was actually doing haircuts. So I applied to be like a volunteer with their youth program and stuff, but I also went that extra, extra mile and was like, okay, hey, I'm a licensed barber. Um, I myself... I'm dealing with housing instability. I want to give free haircuts at your place. Like, is that something we could work out? Is that something that would be possible? They're really, really thorough, and they're especially very, very careful about what's required when you want to go through their volunteer training to deal with their young people. So they have these trainings set up where you're learning things about gender identity. You're learning about the spectrum of that. You're learning about the spectrum of sexuality, this big umbrella where it's like not just straight, not just gay, but there's all this stuff in between, Mm -hmm. you know, and they're like, you want to respect pronouns. Here's how to go about it. My first, first day coming into the center at the youth program space and setting up and everything to do haircuts, everyone was really, really skeptical of me. They were just like, why are you? doing this for us Mm, more just like why like what was your reason for coming here but it was yeah but it was like okay like i definitely have to gain the trust of these kids who probably deal with all sorts of social workers not really genuinely caring about them at all because i myself was dealing with that kind of a feeling at my shelter i think the social workers who were handling us were some of the meanest people I'd ever come across. Mm. And I would just sometimes be like, why are you doing social work when you're just this evil? (laughs) Um, Yeah, so I I kind of could understand that skepticism, but as the weeks went on and I showed my face more and more because I was there every single Tuesday, every single week. I would come in, I saw the same faces all the time, I knew their names, they knew me, 
and as you're doing people's hair especially they're telling you stuff about themselves hello that's (laughs) me that's how we connected on a deep level they're telling you stuff about their situations um i think i had to get registered as um like if someone was to reveal something to me that may have um been that detrimental have, to their health yeah or like where i would have thought maybe they're being like abused or in a really unsafe situation i was a mandated reporter too so like because i had this much intimate time with these individual teens and these young adults um they were like we want to register you as a mandated reporter because the kids really trust you they're telling you a lot wow. like in that way i was kind of helping out too like not even intending it to go that way i was just like i just want to do what i love in a space where like it's not about the money Mm. but where it's just about like i don't have money to give to volunteer but i got this time i got this skill so let me do something with that that's wonderful yeah and so what would happen a lot of the time is um birthdays would come up and they would be like i gotta get fresh for my birthday can you make me look like this they're showing me pictures Now, were you doing haircuts only or were they asking you yeah. to do hair as well? No, I was doing, this was strictly haircuts. Wow. And I mean, it was on every gender. It was on non-binary people, gender fluid people, men, women, boys, girls, you know, shave side or something, a lineup, a bob, something. Yes. And you could see like as the kids would start to get more comfortable in who they are too because they're growing with you Mm -hmm. you know and you know one week someone's pronouns are these but like the next week maybe their pronouns are these pronouns and so they're like actually can i try my hair like this the hair helping them express their gender and their sexuality and their identity on that level too it's amazing it really it was really something to see just like that moment where like they first get in the chair and they don't feel that good and then like they see themselves in the mirror afterwards and they're like oh my gosh like this is who I am Mm. and like how empowering that would make them feel it would kind of like make me feel like okay like with time if I you know and making people feel this good in my chair with time doing this hair thing is gonna pay off for me I just gotta stick with it I think what's really incredible about you is you're going home every day to unstable insta- housing. Yeah. You are probably making relationships back at your shelter. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure the conversations you're having, you're helping everyone out. But I think beyond that is instead of you saying, I'm going to hustle to try to fill up two spots today at this salon where I can make money. You're like, yeah. I'm going to get experience by helping people. Yeah. That's really incredible. I feel like I come from a background, like my family is a lot of educators. Um, and volunteerism was always like a really big deal to my mom. Rest in peace. My wow. mom. She passed peace, away man. in the summer. But um, back in Chicago, because we're from the far south side, she would do a lot to give back to kids. Education was super important to her giving back to kids was super important to her. So I was just kind of like channeling that energy. Mm. Once a week I have my time with these kids. That's what fills my cup up. That's. Yeah. That's the thing that brings you joy by giving out. Yes. (laughs) That was my thing. I was like, I don't want to just think about the fact that like I'm struggling with bus money today. I'm going to get this apartment or this apartment or this apartment. Like, 
I want this thing once a week where it's not just me in a shelter struggling, surviving all the time, but like something good. They feel good. I feel good. Your way of filling yourself with like this abundance of joy is just like so selfless, but also like it's fulfilling you in such an incredible way. It was really incredible to me too because as time went on because i did this up until literally lockdown in 2020 Mm. so like august of 2018 is when i started doing the cuts there every week like literally i had um people starting to follow me people in chicago's queer community who weren't just like in the youth program but just like in general you know being like, okay, like she gets it, she gets us, she respects us, beginning to book behind my chair because I would hear these horror stories. They'd come to me and they'd be like, I heard about you on Instagram from such and such person, from such and such friend. And I want to get a haircut with you because I went to this shop and there was a lot of toxic masculinity in that space. Or I went to this place and they weren't using my pronouns They didn't ask for my pronouns. There's even spaces where um, if you try and get barber services as someone who appears very femme or you're feminine or a woman. And you're a male or a woman. Yeah, yeah. You're a woman. You go into certain barbershops and they won't do your hair. Like at all. Like if you're you're a client or. Yeah. uh, Wow. I, like I at the time because the, I had I still have shaved sides, but I, I know I love them. <laughs> I at the time my entire head was a buzz cut, and I remember trying to get my hair done at certain shops where I would just be like, I just want a nice lineup, a taper. No, we don't do women's hair here. You're like it's it's the same thing. It's like I just want some clipper work. Like you do that. Like <laughs> no, like literally they're just like not gonna do your hair because you're not a dude and i think as time's progressing now because that was you know way way back when i've been wearing a shaved head since like 2011 i think as time progresses now i'm seeing less and less of that even as far as like hairdressing menus go less gender in regard to like women's cuts men's cuts like no like short haircut long haircut or like haircut just in general you know or hair color just in general like it's not like i think i love what you said about when you started with saying people being misgendered when they walk into a barbershop or just in general because what i love about jazzy braids where you work Mm -hmm. is everybody there is so different and i remember one day walking in and because I love Mr. James's style. Yes. You know, he'd be wearing the wigs and the nails, with the braids. I mean, his the every- makeup, <laughs> the lashes. His makeup and his lashes. And I asked him one day because I talk to you guys a lot. You know, I talk a lot when I'm yeah. in there. But I was just like, you know, what's your pronouns? And he was like, he, him. And I was like, oh, cool. You know, mm-hmm. and I was just like, this is so cool because people will automatically, they, first of all, they don't ask about pronouns. And number yeah. two, they would just think of him as whatever. And so because really of the important. wigs and yeah, like yeah. people assume all the time. Yeah. So you are in Chicago. You are basically a, a therapist, hair cutter, <laughs> hair therapist, barber, if you will. Yeah. And it's, it's just weird. I was just living my life, you know, like I wasn't trying to make any of that happen. But then I was beginning to book more LGBT people, like especially um doing a lot more gender neutral barbering so i had barber services 
for whoever you were in my chair, especially feminine women and gender non-binary people, because they were just like, I have not found someone who could soften this kind of look for the way I want it to look. Like where it would seem masculine, but you were able to make them feel how they felt with their hair. That's incredible. Yeah. So that became my thing. That became my niche. How long did you do that? And then what happened with the shelter? And and as you talk about coming out of the shelter and moving into the next phase, I would love for you to be like very specific on how the exit processes and and things like that. Yeah. So there was this prayer circle literally every morning because it was like a um, it was like a Catholic charity affiliated shelter. Okay. So they required you as a resident there to wake up like every day at like 6 a.m. Like oh, wow. 6 a, like 6 a.m. It was <laughs> it was super early every day do this prayer circle, but I was working two jobs at the time. Like I literally I had um a job as a restroom attendant at this bar called Three Dots. I wouldn't get home till like 2 a.m. sometimes. And then in the day I was working um, at this barbershop chain called Floyd's 99. So I had these two jobs. I was trying to like save up all this money to like get. So I wasn't waking up at 6 a.m. every day. I was just like, I need this sleep or I'm going to literally break down. Yeah, like I'm going to yeah. die. And so when you don't show up to the prayer circle, they don't get funding because you haven't attended. You have to like sign off on the sheet. So it was making like, the people in the shelter very upset with me and they were like if you don't start coming to prayer circle we have to kick you out and so i was just like well i guess i'm kicked out because like i'm you're like i'm working so much I yeah i can't and so i had to airbnb it for a minute and i was airbnb in it for a minute and i'm talking about like not like swanky airbnbs like there are definitely like very very much lower end airbnbs like as Lowest, like how like, much were you paying a night? Like less than twenty at some places, wow. and so like very uh, sketchy. <laughs> I've been in Airbnbs that had like rodent problems, but I was like, I need a place to keep my things and the rest of my head, so I can get up and go and do what I got to do. Craigslist was like my everything. When you're dealing with that level of poverty, you get really, 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 really resourceful. You're connecting with whoever your friends are. So, like, you know, my friends at the shelter, they were doing the same thing, trying to find themselves housing. We would, like, share resources amongst each other. We would, like, swap info. Like, oh, if you're trying to live over here, I heard about such and such place, such and such place. Just, like, and safe so people can feel safe. Yeah. yeah. Single-room occupancy housing, stuff like that. But I ended up finding this person who had been on, um, like, Section 8. They were no longer using their apartment. It was all the way in Inglewood. Ooh, I know. It was all the way in Inglewood, but it was paid for. It was free, but I definitely was um, afraid of living in that space because I was like, at any point in time, this person could just like bust in here and anything could happen to me because like, I don't know if they have a copy of this key, if this is like the only key. And then like police sirens going off all the time, like every single night because of just like whatever was going on in the area. And I was coming home super late from my second job. I had started this really prestigious apprenticeship kind of in between the transition from the shelter to the Airbnbs Mm -hmm. and then from the Airbnbs to the Inglewood spot. The shelter hooked me up with this nonprofit called Dress for Success that gives you free, really nice clothes to wear 
for starting your job. Like job interviews and, mm-hmm, like, new jobs. Mm-hmm. So, again, this is the era where, like, I had a full buzz cut. And this is the also the era when I was very Dennis Robin about my hair colors and stuff. Yes, Dennis so, Robin. Perfect analogy. Yeah, so I was like... Um, you know, you will see me one month with pink hair and the next month I might have like some peach hair. But yeah, I started this apprenticeship. And so I was I was traveling from Inglewood to that apprenticeship. And that's where I learned a lot more about um, haircutting techniques I didn't already have under my belt, like razor cutting, getting really more comfortable with my sheer work, working a lot more on straighter hair textures because definitely predominantly African-American, Latino client base. And even at the um, at center on Halstead, even it's predominantly POC and like a handful of, right. you know, Caucasian and white. When I had that proof of income from that place and also like with my pay stubs from the barn, I transitioned from the Inglewood apartment into what's called a single room occupancy housing space that was in this neighborhood called Pilsen. And I liked the SRO because it was really close to one of the trains that could get me to my job in like 20 minutes or less. The only downside was that it was super tiny. Like if I stretched my arms out like this, like the width of my room was maybe like only a few feet longer than the span of my arms. And I'm talking about like two feet max. I think not even that, like maybe like an extra like 12 inch ruler on one on one end would have been like the span of that room. So the room had a dresser, which the SRO provided, but I brought my own twin sized cot to set up in there. So again, I've only got my dress for success clothes. I've got my 10 items of clothing, my two pairs of shoes that I already had. That was the room I stayed in for the first five or six months of my apprenticeship. And it was, it was crazy. Cause like when I started telling people, um, when I started telling people at work, you know, that I was homeless, they were like, girl, I would have never known you were homeless. Like your color don't know. You don't never let your color fade. <laughs> your hair is always, your hair is always It's like, <laughs> like you homeless. I was like, yes, like, yes. And so um, it was a really prestigious apprenticeship. Like I said, so we had these people from all over the country come into Chicago to like potentially be a full-time stylist or barber at the salon. And what would happen is sometimes they would need a new roommate or be looking for a roommate. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so that was how I ended up moving out of the SRO into like an apartment in Humble Park in Chicago because someone I was working with and really good friends with, she was like, we have a space opening up. The rent on it was, like, really cheap. And, like, it wasn't even that big of a bedroom, but I was just like, I will take you it. You were like, thank you. <laughs> I was like, I will take it. I mean, at that point, yes. you went from yes. not only being in a shelter to volunteering all your time yes. to being, becoming, in ways, a therapist. Yeah. Airbnb. And, you know, you, you're co- constantly making changes. Yes. And I can imagine Flowing how... You get to a point where you're like, oh, my goodness, I'm in an actual apartment. No, I was like, to be in, like, a real bathroom. Like, I remember that. I feel like that first shower in that bathroom for me was just like. (laughs) 
<laughs> You're like, I promise I won't use all the hot water, but this feels wonderful. No, I, I remember that first shower just being like, oh, amazing. <laughs> Be okay. I'm going to have a better housing situation. That was always like my end point. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. So I have a question before we move on to the next phase of yeah. how you came here. Up until that point. So there's a lot of people out there. They might struggle in relationships. Mm-hmm. Fitness and nutrition, mental health, trying to figure out their sexuality yeah. in that spectrum. What are some of the things you did to like really help you continue to be like, I have to keep going. I have to push through. Because there's a lot of people that give up, not because they want to give up, but because right. they just feel super defeated. Well, I think definitely having that therapist helped me a ton. If Chicago didn't have a Department of Public Health that offered free mental health services, Mm. I don't think, I don't know if I would have been able to. I really don't know. I just find it to be interesting how a lot of people now are starting to see how Therapy really no. helps you continue to strive. Like, for. if I brought up something and I was just kind of like, I want to do this, but I don't even know how to do it or like do this thing, um, maybe she couldn't actually help me do it, but she would show me or tell me what to do to go about getting the resources and the information to go about doing it myself. Mm. Therapy, it isn't just about like sitting there and talking out your problems and then you just feel better. Like, no, like, you definitely have to also put in the work. You have to want to be helped, too. And I think I was already in that place just because my situation was so dire. I think the motivation is going to be different depending on who you are and, like, what your desires and your goals in life are. But for me, my goal in life was to just, like, I never, ever want to be back at this point. So that was my word. And that's actually the word that's tattooed on my knuckles, thriving. Yes. But I had a hoodie, too. It was red and it had these rainbow colored letters across it. And it literally said thriving in like all caps. Like that was like my word, my mantra. Most of the tattoos on my body yeah. have something to do with like my desire and need. And I would say more of a need, especially in a lot of it comes from my childhood and my sexual trauma. And it's mm-hmm. like, I'm like dig deeper, always forward, you know, trust yeah. and believe, conquer your mind, transform your life, all these things. Because I'm a big believer in being less focused on like a new year's resolution at the beginning of the year. And like, let's think of some words to live by because the more you say them, it just like kind of shifts your mindset to, to whatever that direction is. Go ahead. Chicago's public library. I also had a library card. You get books for free. Well, that was going to be my next question. Yeah. You you said in in your bag of belongings, you had two books. What were those two books? Um, I had The Alchemist. Yes. Incredible book. That book. I've read that book a zillion times front to back. 
if you need to feel motivated, like you can get through anything, <laughs> like that is the book. And yes. I read it because I saw Oprah talk about it in an interview. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, if Oprah read it, I want to read it. <laughs> And sure enough, like I read it and I was just like, this is why Oprah read it. I know. It is <laughs> like, fantastic. I actually want to read it again too because it's just so no. great. And what was the second one? The second one, because I love horror novels and people are gonna think I'm crazy, but I had The Shining by Stephen King. Oh, I'm a true crime fanatic, yeah. so I'm here for it. The Shining, I think it's a good balance, yeah. motivation. And- I I read a lot of horror. I can't sit necessarily sit through most horror movies, but I can read <laughs> fictional horror front to back your process is okay here's my end game Mm -hmm. and you are not only are you making decisions that are going to better you but you're making decisions that are going to better other people you're making decisions that you're doing things and traveling to places that you're like okay i gotta sleep with rodents tonight okay and i have to go through a really tough part of town where I don't even know somebody's going to break in here i mean you're doing the same thing that stephen king is doing because most people who are in a dire situation may not have that internal motivation. So you are kind of like in that same head. I definitely think reading horror novels made me feel like it could be worse. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, yeah, it really could. Like it could be way worse than this. (laughs) You know, having that volunteerism every single week with Center on Halstead, I just kind of had me in this frame of mind where like these people depend on me too, you know, like these kids, and, like, if I can be a shining example of, like, what's possible for them, that could be, like, a motivating force and drive. Speaking of drive, how did you go from Chicago, <laughs> Illinois, to Mesa, Arizona, uh, Scottsdale, Arizona? I got my driver's license at age 25, but it's very common for people who live in Chicago to have a driver's license and no car. And that was me. <laughs> so lockdown had happened. Hairdressers were not essential workers. Um, And so it hit the industry really hard. Like a lot of the people that I used to do hair with no longer even do hair. They're doing social work. They're going back to school for other pursuits. They're doing all these other things. I was very lucky that at the time I completed that apprenticeship at that place. And I was, I had become a full-time barber with them, but then lockdown happened and then things kind of reopened up and weren't, that it wasn't the same level of busyness. It took a very long time for that salon to um, come back to its former glory, I would say. There was this black and brown owned and operated barbershop, like right around the corner from the salon. And they were hiring at the time. For me, because this was such an elite salon, what it happened or started happening kind of before the course of lockdown and everything is that a lot of the clients I used to kind of have, they couldn't afford that $50 price tag for a haircut. I was missing all of that diversity behind my chair. I was seeing a lot less of it. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to, you know, have fun doing what I did. And so I was like, I like this space. Like it's diverse, white clients, black clients, brown blue, purple clients, everybody there. And the personalities of the barbers in that shop too, like some of the most outrageous, Lake Street Barbering Co. on Morgan Street. Amazing. Like, um, they took me in. They were like, okay, like, you can work here at this chair on these days and do this. And, like, once I put the word out, because I spent most of lockdown 
getting a website. <laughs> I got a logo made. I had like all of this branding stuff. I was ready for reopening. Yeah, clearly. Um, and so when I made that transi- transition from the salon back to like a traditional barbershop space, because I've worked in every type of shop, um, people were like, you're back (laughs) they were like yes i'm gonna book with you and like i mean that first day behind the chair i was like booked up and then like um things definitely slowed again when the city was like we're not doing any um like they did something where like it would have been um you would have gotten fined if you did anything that required the mask to be off so facial hair grooming was not allowed for a minute and that kind of like slow things down yeah, again because that's extra money that you're not paying for a haircut but i got a second job i'm like i'm not too proud i was like i'll go work at a burger restaurant like i don't care i had a second job i was doing house calls i was working at the shop i was i'm a little hustler like i'm gonna find a way <laughs> and i'm gonna find a legal way <laughs> okay like um and i was just doing all of these things busting my butt working my butt off um Still, I was still at that Humboldt Park apartment. I never, I don't even necessarily plan ever living in Arizona. I didn't even visit Arizona before coming here. Um, I was dating someone at the time who was like, I have this career opportunity in Arizona and I want you to come with me. And I wasn't going to be able to like follow them as soon as they left. left. But like I was doing stuff with my other job, with my house calls, all of that, saving up preparing for that move i think i moved out here like three months after the fact and we broke up in between that three month span but i was like i already got my license for arizona transferred over from illinois i did my paperwork for reciprocity licensing so i was like i'm just gonna go because i had never gone to school out of state i had never done any sort of i don't haven't done that much travel like now i do because I'm just like, life is short. Like, I want to see things. I want to go places. But before, it used to just be work, 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 survival, survival, survival. And, I mean, that's been, like, the course of basically, like, my 20s. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that period of homelessness until, like, last year. Um, so, Craigslist again. <laughs> I was like, let me find a roommate. Let me find someone. I did a Zoom tour. Because <laughs> yes. it was remote. Because I was like, I'm not coming out there. I'm not going to be out there yet. The apartment wasn't going to be ready like the moment I got to Arizona. So I had an Airbnb until like I came here. I had done a remote job interview at a place. And I got the job at this um, men's salon up in Scottsdale, which, you know, I did my research. I was like, okay, it looks like price points in Scottsdale are higher than they are out in Phoenix and out here. And I was like, Doing my little research, I was like, okay, that's because the demographic makes X, Y, Z amount of money and blah, blah, blah. So I was like, I don't want to work where the money's going to be at. Like, I don't want to be in Scottsdale. And I did. I got a phone interview. We did a Zoom interview. And then I had to find a hair model. And I didn't know anybody in Arizona. I don't have I don't have relatives out here. I don't. I didn't have friends out here yet because I didn't. I wasn't living out here. Like I knew no one, so I had to use Craigslist to find a hair model, and I just had to like pray that that hair model was going to actually show up because that's one of the worst things to happen. It happened a lot during my apprenticeship. Like you find a person who's like, yeah, I could be your hair model for such and such, and then like they no show you. <laughs> so like i was just like i really hope and you know we check in with them every day like okay like you know the this session is tomorrow this is the address like are you sure you're still gonna be able to make it and like 
thank goodness he came in. Yes. His hair was nice and long, so we were able to give him like a really major transformation. And yes. the haircut looked awesome. I sealed the deal. I started like two days after I did his hair look. And it just, you know, like everything just fell into place in Arizona. I didn't um, drive in Chicago, so I did some refresher driving classes. Like I had to pay for them, and they were a lot. <laughs> but I had paid for some driving classes to refresh me and did highway driving lessons because I had never driven on a highway. And I was like, I You're already like, know <laughs> when I come to Arizona, I'm going to need to drive on the highway. Um, and so... I didn't have a car for my first two weeks, but then, like, two weeks after living here, Carvana, and, you know, guys, I did the thing. Let me tell you something. Yes. You are, like, <laughs> the definition of making moves. Look, yes. Like, I I will find a way. Like, I got a car. have a really awesome apartment in Scottsdale. Got a really cool, chill roommate. And yeah, I'm doing hair in Mesa now, loving it. And now she's at Jazzy Bridge. Yeah. So, first of all, congratulations. Thank you. And secondly, I think very close second is thank you so much for sharing your story. No, thank you for having me share this story. Because I think this is there's a lot of people out there that are maybe going through what you're going through, or you brought up the the point about you know when we come out as as gay people or mm. LGBTQI plus people, because our families might not understand us or yeah. it's the fear or religion, we just get abandoned really quickly. Yes. And so it's just a really great story to let people out there know that there is a way to make it, even though it's really, really tough. Yeah. Like it's definitely not going to be easy, but it is possible. You want to just surround yourself with as much stuff that makes you happy as you can. Mm -hmm. Really, really appreciate those moments that bring you joy and really surround yourself with people who don't judge you. That was, that's probably like, if I have to give like life advice, Mm. you want to be around authentic people. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Speaking of transformation, because I'm all about transformation and not materialistic, but if you really think about it, you are at a homeless shelter mm-hmm. in a room and you're in Scottsdale, Arizona, which is one of was the one most of, prominent yes. places probably in the country, really. No, seriously. I mean, it's really a coming-of-age story. And the fact that you're so resourceful. I usually ask people... What does trust and believe mean to them? But I don't have to do that today because (laughs) this is the definition. CC is the definition. And if you are ever in Arizona, 
please go to Jazzy Razor. Reach out to yes, CC on up. her Instagram. Uh, we'll put her Instagram in the show notes. She's so fun. And one of the <laughs> things that I want to say before we close out is, you know, I have a I have a really great barber here. I told you his name is Eric. He's amazing. Mm. And I did, and Alex, my producer and friend, but the producer of the show, yeah. found him years ago. And you are the first person to cut my hair outside of him. And that's not at his shop, you know, what? in Arizona for, I think I got here in 2012 or 13. Oh my gosh, it's been a minute. And like, you are the first person outside of his shop. Cause there's another guy I go to in shop. He's yeah. amazing too. And Cause I'm very loyal to my barbers, but I mm. met you. And when you're cutting hair, you are, you are performing art. You are so I focused. Take my time. Yeah. I remember the other day I, I had to go. And you were like, I know you got to be somewhere, but this has to be right. Like you were, it was, and it just really lined up with the story that you told us today. Like you are so committed, not only just committed and dedicated, but you're just like really focused on like making it the best that it can be. And so I just want to thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thank, no, thank you. Like doing your hair is always a pleasure because you come in and you're just like, I want to try something new and like you get new you like it's never ever the same two looks back to back each time <laughs> and I think you were even discussing like the next idea you have for your haircut next time I see you and I was just like yes like let's so do that's it. gonna be so not yeah. I'm coming in uh tomorrow yes. and um to the day after we film this and <laughs> that's gonna be that's gonna be a cute one but next week before I go on my final vacation before my surgery, we're going to do some lines. We're oh, going to be, graphic. it's yeah. going to be live and fly. Yeah. So Cece, thank you very much. If yeah. you're in Mesa or if you're in Arizona in this Phoenix area, just reach out to her Instagram or go to Jazzy Bays <laughs> and book with Cece the Barber. She is amazing. <laughs> thank you for being a beacon of light and a beacon of thrivation oh, for people. Oh, yes. We appreciate yes. it. Yes. Oh, thrivation. I'm going to let you close this out. <laughs> and always trust and believe in who you are. Yeah. <laughs>